All right, social media family, thank you once again for joining us for installment number seven in the Discipling Through Philippians series. So what we'll do is we'll pick up at the very end of chapter two, the very end of chapter two. I start at verse 25 to 30. 25 to 30. And I'll be coming from the. Let's, let's stick with the old school King James. Right. And it reads like this. And the Apostle Paul says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Aphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be the least sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ, he was nigh to death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. You had to throw that in to supply your lack of service. <laughs> hmm. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. These last few verses here. All right. Now, you see how the Apostle Paul is talking about Epaphroditus and the relationship he had with him, right? The closeness. Now, just thinking about fellowship and I know this is a topic that we broached you know several times before but I, I'm it's, it's almost like I'm hearing it more and more like even in in um, my other work it's like people that are, have been disconnected from fellowship how they're able to kind of realize yeah I think I need to kind of get back into connecting with other other believers you know um why do you think, and I know I'm talking to the right bunch, why do you think it's so important for the body to, to get together and just looking at it from a general perspective and then looking at it with this specific time stamp, like where we are in this point in history right now, why is just connecting with other believers, whether it be in a large group, a small group, whether it be in a traditional church setting or whether it be a more, you know, a house church setting or, you know, in a meeting like this. Why are these points of contact so important? Because we are the body. The body needs to function as a body. You, you can just be with Christians without even 
talking a whole lot, and when you leave, you got something. You know, you, you can just be around them. Not always, but sometimes when you isolate yourself, I think you're riper pickings for the enemy to come and feed things into your mind, and you don't have other people to support you. start you focusing on yourself and saying, you poor me, yeah. Well, I see, I mean, what, you, what he just said, we need to because you can get in the mindset where you think I'm all by myself, or what I'm going through. It's unique in my life, and so when you get around somebody else, who may be going through the same thing or just going through something in general. You you understand I'm not by myself. So, you know, basically the enemy will tell you, hey, your your situation is unique. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you know what, you're by yourself, this is all new. But when you get around believers, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you know, okay, <clears throat> I'm not the only one that's going through something. I'm not the only one that's you know, dealing with different issues. They are, um, they want their stuff too, and so I'm not by myself. And yeah. so we get comfort from that. Yeah. Being like the body too, like we were talking about, like the eyeball can't put the body mm -hmm. the hand can't put, et cetera. Um, power and, you know, unity. Um, you know, like I was thinking about, go ahead. No, that's right. It made me think, as soon as you said that, because I watched my mother isolate herself. I used to think about it all the time. The New King James word, um, way of wording it. Um, Proverbs 18.1 A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. When yes. you start, with you, all this stuff you're saying, it makes you think you're... And then you begin to feel sorry for yourself and it's, you can't see anything but your needs. Mm -hmm. You see nothing. You can see through. Well, there's other people, but mine is so important. I need everything. And it's broke you away from Actually, what you need and what the, some other person needs. And especially you. when you're going through a trial, and then you find out that the ten other people in the group are all going through trials too, but they're all different. But there's there's stuff they're going through. I used to have a friend of mine, and she said, if we all threw our trials on the floor before we left the room, we pick up our trial because we're we're built to overcome that one, not his or yours. You know. The thing about I heard Andrew say this when he was teaching some on the Elijah syndrome. He goes, the moment we're talking about, the moment you go, he goes, when you start thinking like that, you're in the Elijah syndrome. He goes, what is he? I'm in there. I'm up on myself. He goes, no, there were seven thousand who had not bowed the knee, who had not kissed them statues. You are not the only one. I had sent you there to protect you. Now you're feeling sorry for yourself. And then, sorry, I know we're all throwing stuff out there, but I was talking about Ecclesiastes 412. I wasn't sure where it was and who looked it up. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand, and, and three four is not easily broken. Satan doesn't like that. You know, he don't want us to be, you know, together. So besides we're supposed to, according to this, I forget what chapter, Second Corinthians, comfort with the comfort with which we've been comforted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So those we don't want to waste those trials and the things that we've learned. Because you can believe that somebody else people. will need that comfort. But even it's just two people. It you begin to um hold each other up. Mom told me recently over some things I've been believing for. And, you know, she was telling me, she's like, of course, you know, I don't know, God wants to, you know, God wants you to have some just because he loves you. He's mm -hmm. like a father to a child. But also, um, we saw it on Facebook. One of our brothers in Charlotte, North Carolina, he wrote a thing on Facebook. He said, you, something to do with, like, you, the promise you want or you need, like, the promise 
God wants you, God to, wants win. you, God wants you to win, but there are others who need to see you win. And I thought that was very, very encouraging. Like, because they're watching like the testimony, you know? <laughs> Is this really going to happen? Yeah. But I'm also um, thinking an aspect of the gathering together. I mean, some people, well, I guess if you've experienced something where you don't trust people anymore. Mm-hmm. So Isolation does that too. Yeah. Everything intensifies that. So you've been hurt. Okay, now it's like, I don't trust anybody. So like you said, the enemy tells you, hey, just stay with yourself. You don't need anybody. I think I was saying um, last night how, you know, in some cases, culture teach you, oh, you be by yourself. You don't need this person. You don't need a husband. You don't need a wife. You don't need people. You can do this all on your own. So therefore, that's that. You know, you push that narrative to say, hey, so therefore, I don't want to gather. And, and a lot of believe. I know, I'm going to say a lot of it, I know a good amount of believers who just has forsaken any type of assembly. I don't need it. Oh, yeah. it's me and Jesus. Hey, we got this. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm good. Yeah, I'm obviously, I haven't bothered to ask Jesus what he thinks about that show. <laughs> good point. <laughs> we're, we're hanging Jesus <laughs> But yeah, but I'm saying we've bought into that and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't need this. I don't need that. And, you know, I've heard some that's Some a selfish. Story. I mean, right there, right? That's just selfishness exposed. Right, but I'm saying they. It comes from a place of pain. Yeah, it does. Okay, it comes from a place of pain. They've been hurt, and so, and I, you know, I get them. I, I'm, I sympathize with them, but you know, like I said, at the same time, you still your family can hurt you too, right. but you don't isolate yourself well. Maybe right. some people do. But yeah, some you know, people you can't do. Just but say, I'm oh, saying you put yourself in a situation where hey, I just don't want to deal with nobody. You know, it's in that. So, and then we put everybody in that category mm-hmm. of the person that hurt you or the group that hurt you. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I stay away. Mm-hmm. I went to church and there was a guy who taught Bible, and uh, he was like young, handsome, money, dressed nice. His wife was pretty, dressed nice. The kids were all pretty, dressed nice. They drove nice cars. They lived in a nice neighborhood. And I used to think to myself, man, this guy don't know what the real world is like. He don't have, he's never been in any trials. And then I got a job with his father. And his father started telling me the stuff he went through. And I was thinking, man. And I'm thinking this guy's like, you know, never knew what anything tough was. And, and, and he, had, he really had. So I just had this idea that they don't know nothing about trials. They don't know nothing about hard times. And, and they did. So... And you remember that those, those kids we we watched those people had all those kids we watched them one time, yeah. And uh, the youngest daughter died of something, mm-hmm. and they they were a family like that. I just thought they were never going to go through a trial, and then they had that big big trial with the with their daughter who got sick and died. Mm-hmm. And imagine going through stuff like that in isolation, Mm-mm. with nobody praying for you, no no testimonies to hear. Just you and yourself. Yeah. You know, and that's, and, and again, that, you know, we talk about what happened with the pandemic and how, you know, what the enemy's plan was. Oh, yes. Now, of it's course, now, now, of course, now, of course, you know, the Lord has a different, has a different plan <laughs> and he's, he's doing his thing. But what a lot of people have fallen victim to is what Eric was talking about. You know, just the whole idea of like, man, I don't, I don't need to be going up in no, 
building. I don't need to be meeting with no other people. I don't need to be like around other folk. You know, I can I can just watch my podcast and go on by my business, get my word, get mine. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that there's so much wrong with that. It's so incomplete. You know, it's like you're you're choosing a a piece of bubble gum instead of a full course meal. You know, and the the fact that it's not just about us receiving; it's about us functioning and doing something like being because there's a, there's something that you as an individual bring to the table. And see, and you see it here in Philippians where Papaditis, like if he wasn't walking in love and in, in, in ministry, Paul would not be talking about this man like this, like in, in Timothy, like the type of connection that he had with with these men and with the, the, the church at, at Philippi, right? Just the the connection. And like Eric was saying, a lot of a lot of folks have dealt with the, the whole church hurt thing, and I and it's I'm, I'm still amazed how many people I deal with in my my work that mm-hmm. have have dealt with that, and it's like wow, man, you know, and it leaves such a deep wound, yes, you know that it you know some people don't recover from it, mm-hmm. right, but. That's why when they're around you and you and and all of us, you know, other believers that are bearing fruit, they get, it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to kind of mend that and try to, to help say, hey, yeah, I know this person hurt you or these set of individuals or yeah. this leadership did some things that were not representative of the gospel, but that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? But what the enemy wants to do is get in people's heads and be like, see, all that Christian stuff, all these folks is a bunch of hypocrites. They they ain't about what they say, X, Y, Z. But the Christian life isn't about us walking in perfection, us being these, you know, showpieces, of perfection, it is it is us being the earthen vessels that mm-hmm. the Lord is mending, mm-hmm. has has redeemed for Himself, and and us in enjoying that fellowship with Him. That's what it's about. That's the good news. The good news, regardless of how much of a wretch I am, guess what? <laughs> Jesus loved me. He died for me. He gave me eternal life just because he wanted to, because he loved me, because he loved you. That's the good news. I was thinking about when I was going through a divorce and and people would try to counsel me and the women were good counselors. The men, there's lots of fish in the sea, man. Get over it. I mean, that was was their counsel. (laughs) I'm serious. That was the counsel they gave. Oh, yeah, fellas ain't you know. Uh, we, not we, exactly in touch with. Yeah, that was not, what not too much, saying. not too much empathy, you know. But that the average guy that I talked to that was a Christian, there's lots of fish out there in the sea. <laughs> Get over it, Jane. And then we used to, when we were at a certain church, 
everybody fellowshiped, you know, every, when it was over, and they had to find like blinked lights to tell everybody it's time to go home. <laughs> and so we get in the car, and, and you know, the women were all off talking, and I see, well, who are you talking with? Well, what about him? Is he married? I don't know. Does he have any? I don't know. Well, what does he do? I don't know. I said, well, you talked to the guy for 30 minutes. What do you mean you don't know? He said, we just talked about fishing. I said, oh my gosh. Guys, you put a bunch of guys together. just don't we get into details. Who your like husband you. is, how many kids you got, what grades they're in, where you live, and they okay. they go yeah. talk about football or fitness. Yes, so what do you know about him? His name is John. <laughs> that's what I know. Yeah, he likes to um, go fishing. Or golf, or he likes to yeah. do something. Yeah, that's it. That's all I but know. But not all men are like that, I know. Yeah. My wife has started a conversation over, like the day over, hand tissue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, talk, and talk for half hour on it. Yeah. yeah right. You yeah. want some? Yep. Uh, where you get it from? How many calls? I was like, do you want the tissue? <laughs> so I, I mean, she was like, and that comment went on my 10 minutes. I was like, okay. At the end, like, at the end okay, do you, do you want it? <laughs> if, we're, if we're in the store and she starts talking to somebody and we're leaving, I'll look at her and say, I'll be in the car. <laughs> I got and turn the radio on and just wait till she's done. This is the same thing with Dennis over her. It's funny because it's like she writes three pages to tell me something on the on a text. And goes, I write a she wants, text. Yeah, <laughs> just don't go straight to the point. She goes, just tell me this, this, and this. I don't really care about the rest. Yeah, I think I heard TDJ say he says, you know, women talking circles, men talking straight lines. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women would go all the way around. He and said he, he, he was saying how he asked his wife, you know, about her day, you know, and she started. That's the one thing he said. Went about thirty minutes. How she went to the store. How she wanted about it. She didn't want about ass. So I got this. And, <laughs> and you know what's fascinating? Both women are into it. They're looking at each yeah. other and shaking their heads. And yeah. and, 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 and if somebody's talking to me about tissue like that, in my mind, I'd be somewhere else. I'd be going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But women and not hearing a word naturally come together. Yeah, right? yeah, they do. And, and communicate. Men, we got to work at it. We really, we got to actually really work at it. Really say, you know, okay, mm-hmm. let's come together. Mm-hmm. Women just naturally do it. But men, we'd be like, you know, unless it's football, some type of sport. Men, <laughs> like what? Mm. <laughs> Now see, this took a turn. <laughs> we start, we start talking about how men need to step it up in our fellowship, yeah, right? <laughs> but see, and, but but again, right? Regardless of whether you know we don't know men or women, us as a body, if we're coming together, then we can have those moments of of fellowship. Like you know, fellas, they we we kind of bond overworking, mm-hmm. like doing stuff right. together, right? You talking about like the, the closest people, you know, male relationships, you talking about guys that go to war together, you know. That's, um, that's the big one. That's the big one. You know, um, ministry partners, team, you know, football team, basketball team, mm-hmm. you know, you are part of something yeah. and you're working towards a, a goal, right? And you know, and and we talk too. Men talk. It's just that, you know, the way we express ourselves and all that. It's just there are different nuances. We're just different, but we're the same. Different, but the same. 
regardless whether you're male or female, all of us need that connection. When you hear uh, like war vets talking, and they tell you why they were in war, and they say, I wasn't there for the red, white, and blue. I wasn't there for America. I was there to keep my brothers alive. That's what I wanted. And some guys get they get hurt. They get sent to the hospital. They'll sneak out of the hospital and get back to their unit because they're afraid somebody's going to get killed while they're gone that they could have helped, you know? I mean, the, the bonding they go through during combat is amazing. Some of them are like 80 years old and they still meet every once a year and have like fellowships, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if men that go to natural combat can connect like that, mm -hmm. how much more those who are in spiritual combat? It's interesting because when we were talking about why we need fellowship earlier, I looked up another scripture. And it's in first, no, sorry, second Samuel 1. And I was reading recently about David and it just stuck in my head is where he had talked about or Jonathan had passed on and he was telling, you know, tributing to him and he was talking about how um, that his love with Jonathan was greater than the love of women. And he, you know, I, it wasn't, you know, they said, or ministers say it wasn't, they were gay. Of course not. Um, it's just, they had such a bond, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's two gentlemen, you know, that was the Old Testament, you know, but they, you know, why can't we have even more now, you know, men and women, you know. Before the war, when those guys are together, like a platoon of guys are together a long time, yeah. sometimes over there a grenade comes in the middle, somebody jumps on it. They just dive on it, save everybody else's life. I mean, you can't, you can't be more close than that. Yeah. They should have been in the um, play that Andrew had, the uh, 4th of July play, because we watched Godly it. Trust. Yeah, and Godly Trust. Mm -hmm. It showed where one of the soldiers, he, there was nothing, they knew there was nothing big, so it showed where he gave his life to save everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It showed where, you know, he just jumped mm -hmm. on him and, so he, he sacrificed his life. My dad had a, had a had thing called the Old Breed from the Marine Corps, and it had a list of all the guys that did that. There was lots of them that did that, that dove on the grenades in a foxhole or something to save their, their brothers. There was lots of them. All right. Now I want us to look at those scriptures that we identified earlier. So first we're going to go to, let's go to Second Second Corinthians 1. All right. The one that. Terry was referencing. Let's start at verse 1. Yeah, verse 4. What, 1-1? Mm -hmm. Chapter 1, verse 1? Yeah, 2 Corinthians, Second Corinthians 1. 1. And well, I'll start at verse 1 and go down to 4. He says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church at Corinth, to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. And we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now you see how isolation can cut that off. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, we were all saying earlier how, you know, you you can be going through something and, and 
that that feeling of isolation, like you're the only one that's dealing with X, Y, Z problem, when you're able to be around some other folks that's going through it, have been through it, or dealing with something different or worse, and you see them continuing to, to walk with the Lord, it gives you encouragement. Mm-hmm. And 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 you as an individual, if you see somebody that's going through the, the thing that you done been through, it's something in you that's gonna rise up anyway and gonna want to be that instrument of comfort. And see, we can't get that if we're not together. And it's like having a true fellowship too, though. And I mean, it's important to start with to be around a body of believers, but this is where the relationship with God's going to come here, right? Talking about it's like, God, where do you want me? You have a good place for me to be, you know? But so many times we try to make it happen, like in another. I know mom and I tried like three and a half churches probably to try to go to, but more than that, probably. it just it wouldn't place. click, you know? I mean, I think it wasn't a great place or something, but it wasn't where we needed to be. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, really for us personally, I like, fell in line here, you know, just like. It's supposed to be, you know. It would be a block everywhere. They would yeah. call that. They, they weren't talking right. Yeah. It was a bunch of stuff. And just, so just being where you feel comfortable and you know that you got each other's backs, you know, it's just great. Just to know mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. See, what she spoke is huge because I mean, I've always said this, you know, I always pray, okay, God, what do you want me to go? Yeah. Like you said, it's not like, you know, this is one great place yeah. where everybody, but it's where God wants you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would not want you. And, and he might, he might send you somewhere where they don't want you. Truly, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I experienced yeah. that too. So have I. But I'm saying it's about yeah. where he wants you. And then sometimes there's the time when God, you know, told me to go somewhere. And I said, "You want me to go with?" Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, like, you sure? Because this ain't nothing that I asked for. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you be like, but like you said, it's about hearing him and said, okay. But then when you hear, I like what you said. Well, Son, you can't unhear what you heard, yeah. and so when you hear him, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, God, you know, so you you surrender to that. But like you said, it's all about going where um, God wants you, and then that's the place where you're going to, you know, He's going to put you there for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, not only to be blessed but to be a blessing. And so, but you got to hear him, right? You know, but in some cases, probably people just well. I'm going here and come out. My parents been for 50 years or 20 years or yeah. just, you know, so you just go on places where, you know, that's where you went when you was a kid or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, but you got to know what God wants you mm-hmm. in ministry. You think about how different that was for the early church. You just went to closest place to where you lived. The closest place within like, well, the church the rest, the Corinth, right? The there was, there was, the that wasn't the cities. a yeah. decision. It was yeah. you went, the churches were established by locality. Mm-hmm. Well, look at that sweet and that's a completely different, we live in a different world. So, so I guess because we, some, we need to hear from God where he wants us to go. Right. But before that wasn't a problem. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, let's go here. We try. Three, five minutes. Yeah, a long way. And we have many See, it seems like it's a long way. You say long way. To us, it doesn't seem long anymore. <laughs> and, and from the beginning, it's just 
felt right. Even though, when, if you remember, we first started coming, we'd sit in the back. Mm -hmm. Because we were, what we just said, the idea of the, what's going to happen here, that hurt. But even in the other church, I stayed, I remember for myself, I don't know about her, she, I mean, we talked about, I stayed for a while because that's where I felt like God said, be here. But then I wasn't paying attention that I worked more and more, and I, he was saying, it's time to go. Right. But I didn't go the right way, and then it's like, well, yeah. you're shunning me. No, God was like, but then we, this was, you know, we started going at first, and then the thing happened to her, and I said, I'm not coming all The Lord sent me to a place that said to help this pastor. And I went there, and I did everything in my power to help this pastor. And this guy was the most insecure human being I ever met, and he, he just did everything he could to kick me out. I mean, everything. Finally, he, he, uh, he made me a youth pastor and stuck me in another building out in the parking lot with the kids. I got to say, that's what happened. That made me think about what happened to his aunt. My mother had died, had just died, mm -hmm. and it was really, really... I'd been there almost 10 years. I, I served on I served on the hospitality. I did a lot of things behind the scenes I didn't want to be seen. I could have sang because I could sing. I just wouldn't sing. I just did this stuff. But my mother had, had was it was ill. She was in LBCU. In the ICU, she had had major surgery to fix something. But she was, she ended up, um, she, she was paralyzed from her waist down. She was fine one day, and then she was paralyzed. But it was trying to fix the vertebrae that was crushed. So she ended up, it, her body wasn't strong enough, so she, she went into like a coma, almost like one, and she was in the, in the critical care up there. And she was there for a whole month, and they kept telling us, make sure you talk good to her because she's hearing you. But when she died, and then or before she died, here I was at this church, is small, and I'm being careful, um, the higher ups I sat that way never came to see her. And I was a faithful, this is the first church I've ever been a member of. Mm -hmm. Actually took classes and was a member. And they never went to see her. Over 10 years, less than 75 people probably. So. Yep. And um, yeah, just a couple of people came and that was it. When my mother died, I didn't have any money to, have, to pay my part of the funeral. Um, $75 was raised. Out of this church that I've been there for, for all these years, yeah. and that's where the the hurt was building. And then um, another lady, not begrudging, she'd been there. Um, and then she had left, came back, very sweet, very very loved, very um, faithful. Did she, no begrudge there. She is the sweetest lady on this earth. Her father had died close at the same time. My mother. They raised over a thousand dollars to send her to where her father was in another country. Send her down and bring her back, and I got seventy five dollars. And I said, that was the end of you. That just slapped me hard. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of hurt. So when this started, uh, I like Andrew. Kara's supposed to be good. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. We'll sit at the back. And, I, and she's going through her stuff, whatever it was. Uh, it's good. But it was good. Yeah. And you know, it's, it. whenever you talk about people and relationships, mm -hmm. There's gonna be some mess. Oh, yeah. Stuff is gonna be, you know. And, and I think what some what what of the false narrative that's painted for some people is that, you know, you you come into a fellowship of, you know, of believers and then, you know, there's 
you're supposed to live up to this XYZ standard. And then, you know, that whole thing is perpetrated by the the, the spiritual caste system, mm-hmm. you know, the laity and mm-hmm. the, 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 the clergy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when people when the people the people find out that the clergy are. They have flesh to deal with, just like the laity do. Then people, you know, the enemy takes the opportunity to. Do to shoot those darts. To sow offense, sure and 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 harden people's hearts against each other and all that type of stuff, and it's like you know it, and it it just starts there and it snowballs. So, and I, I like to joke that preachers say, if you you know if you find a church a perfect church, yeah. don't go there, yeah, because be because because it won't be perfect anymore once you show once up. You get there, mm-hmm. right? You know, on top of what you just said. The way the church is run now, I think if it were run differently, you wouldn't run into those situations because if the fivefold ministry were truly active in every church and the saints were being prepared to do the work of the ministry, you wouldn't be expecting a pastor to go visit everybody, to go to the funerals, to go. It's because that's not what he's supposed to do. I mean, the word pastor is used one time in the Bible anyway. There you go. So, okay, if it were all in the right structure, the, the saints wouldn't sit back and say, well, we pay him. That's the reason. He's the supposed problem. to be that's doing that, so He's we don't have to do anything. So I think it, it gives people this false sense of they have no duty, they have no obligation. You can always blame it on the clergy. They didn't do their part. Mm-hmm. That, that's there, a there are people of the structure. that never lead anybody to the Lord. They just invited the church. Because they expect that altar call every Sunday, and they just invite them and and let and lay it off on that. Right, right. And the type the type of love and connection you see between Paul, the Church of Philippi, Aphrodite, and Timothy, that's not built with this CEO pastor exactly. model. No, uh-uh. no exactly. that 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 a it's lot a of us are used to. You know. It, 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 but you know, I've gotten into some arguments with some close people close to me about this, like what church is and what mm-hmm. you know what that looks like, what what really is church and what is not, mm-hmm. and you know we we've gotten it buried into our heads that church is a it represents a building where people meet. Mm-hmm. It is a it is it is a set of people meeting in a building. And as long as we have that mindset, then we're not going to be in a place where we can appreciate each other outside of the mm-hmm. Sunday morning, Wednesday night services. Yeah. Because it runs so much deeper than that. Because just think about a body. What, what would happen to your body if your digestive system only worked on Wednesdays and Sundays? <laughs> right. Yeah. If your circulatory system only worked on um, Tuesdays and, and Saturdays. Yeah. Well, I like in verse 25, in, back in our chapter 2, look at the, 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 what's the word I want? The way Paul describes his relationship. He's a brother. He's a companion in labor. He's a fellow soldier, and he's there's a special messenger that mean, and minister that means, to his that means he It's was, a multifaceted. He was an apostle too when he called him a, a special messenger. 
That's that's apostle. Of, of relationships. Hmm. You you don't just build that by waving at people across the church on Sunday. <laughs> but I like it. He said that that guy was picking up the slack they were having towards mm -hmm. him. <laughs> he didn't need Paul never messed with words. Well, I mean, I, I read that. I know in the um, New Living Chains, it wasn't they were, it says he he was at the point of death while doing for me what they couldn't do from oh, okay. far away. Okay. They were so far away. Right. King James says their lack of service. Yeah, but it yeah. makes it sound like he wasn't doing but he was right. basically, I read it also from the Amplified. That makes, that makes more sense. Where he was saying, well, you know, they was Amplified, let me see. Like I was saying, but they were just so far away, they couldn't get to him. That makes more sense. And so therefore, yeah. it was like, okay, so he was closer, so he could do it. That's why they couldn't do it. That's because they were so far away. I think too, like like we're saying here, like we put so much in the church, like on the pastor, or the pastor, like the clergy. And I go, I thought about said, I've been in, I've been in the situation too, where you look at a church and you go. Well, the pastor and pastor's wife, they're closer with that person and, and they favoritize them and all this. And then I go, but then again, I go, not that there's not a balance there, not that we should all try to be impartial to each other, but I go, how many hours do we have in a day? 24, how many days in a week do we have? Seven. And I go, it's not much time. And I go, sometimes, I mean, you can't bond close, super close with everybody and neither can ministers. And I go, that's where we need to be there for each other. I mean, I'm not saying that a pastor should be available, of course, because they're supposed to be there, you know, but I mean, like, you know, I think we expect way too much out of our ministry. Abs absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, maybe <laughs> and just, just like Gene was saying, you know, yeah. in the, you, I pay you, so <laughs> yeah. you need to be here and be my, my personal, um, my personal ministry person. Okay. You a professional Christian. Do you do Christianity for a living? Mm -hmm. All right. So anytime I need prayer or I need visitation, you need to be available. It's like, what well, this man can't have a family. Can you imagine you got five hundred people that think they own you? That is nowhere in the scripture. In scripture. No. no, and see, and, and the thing that's crazy about that is that the same person that's giving those demands, placing the demands on that pastor, would be the same one to call them out when their family is is they having family issues because he's spending all of his mm -hmm. time outside of the house instead of there. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but see, but again, that's just the, the whole CEO pastor yeah. model thing, mm -hmm. where the professional Christians y'all get paid and y'all y'all entertain and feed us, and then we leave and we go home do do what we want to do, yeah. but y'all on the clock still. Teaches passivity. It's you know. That's true. The children go through so much. I've seen. Like I said, I think of the term, they, they say PKs, pastor's mm -hmm. kids. Yeah, I mean, like, they go through, like, some serious heck. I mean, you know. They get worse than the other kids to yeah. prove that they're one of the kids. Yeah. They do things that are, that are worse. I've heard one of them, one of my, one of my pastor's daughters, we were working youth group, and, I mean, I say she was perfect. Um, she treated me pretty bad sometimes, but we were one time on the level talking, and she goes, like, people would be like, oh, you're so good. You're a pastor's kid. And she said they don't want to just do bad things more, you know, and I go, it's so sad, you know. I mean, because I was a but I, I never experienced that. Because it's, I mean, I knew it was there, but I, you know, I never felt the pressure to, you know, to be, you know. And I, and I guess maybe because my parents never made it feel like okay, I understood. But of course, people knew who you were, and they was like, you know. But I do remember one time, I mean, because when 
when God blesses you, you know, when people see you blessed as a Christian, and I remember when I graduated, I, I got a football scholarship, and I, my dad told me this, and uh, when they announced my scholarship, and my dad, God blessed him, he was a very successful businessman, and somebody uh, in the audience, they once they announced my scholarship, they were like, well, what do you need a scholarship for? You don't need they're rich. Yeah, really, yeah. And then my dad, you know, he didn't say anything, but I was like, what? You know, so... People have this perception that you you, you, know, you were saved as a child, right? Right. Maybe that makes a difference if you're well, a preacher's street. kid and you're not saved. Yeah, I can see how they think go. about that. You got who, who were we listening to on TV that uh, became very successful and people were saying, "Don't forget where you came from." Remember, was somebody preaching, and he said, I, I, "I'm not going to forget where I came from. I know the address. I know the zip code." He said. But but I'm not taking my I'm not taking all my money and giving it to you either. You know? Yeah, but I, good point because I never thought about that. But yeah, because I never felt that pressure to, you know. In other words, if you had relationship with Jesus, right. you're operating at a different level than yeah. someone who That's doesn't good know. to not have to, you know, go through that. But I knew kids that did. I I knew I had friends who, you know, were you know that. Of course, this particular kid came from the strict Pentecostal background. You couldn't do this, couldn't do that, couldn't, and they felt so much pressure, you know, to hold up this standard. And I was, I used to shake my head, be like, "Wow, like that's way too much for a kid to be dealing with." And when those, when those kids get loose, they go real loose. Right, right. Yeah. Like this kid, because he was this this guy was adopted, and the family adopted, and then. He was in, brought into that strict Pentecostal, and I, mm -hmm. and I talked to his sister. But he's saved now, but uh, he just got strung out on drugs, stuff like that. Yeah, and I did pretty yeah. hard. But yeah, he's um, cause I got he's a friend on Facebook now, but he's he's back in the church. He's saved now, so he's doing really well. All those problems that come from the the screwed up and balanced, you know, the performance know. wheel, yeah. the yeah. performance hamster wheel. Of law keeping, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's it's crazy. Let's go to Hebrews ten, another scripture. Just uh, is again pointing out the importance of fellowship. Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five. All right. Now let me, I'm going to read this from a different, a couple of different translations here that we're not, we don't usually use. Let's look at the message. We'll look at the passion and the message translation. All right. In the passion it says, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage you, encourage others and to motivate them to toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. 
Just super plain. In the message, it says this. It says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but sp spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. This has even more meaning to what you were talking about, not isolating yourselves to mm. when in context he was writing to the Jews who were some saved, but some had not yet come to receiving Jesus. They were being under persecution, thinking about going back to the old, to the first Testament. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is even more meaningful because he's saying, because they were, they were afraid of that persecution and they were really going to throw the whole thing away to go back to the animal sacrifices. And he's saying, no, this is what you need. Fellowship together. This will keep you from literally going to hell, right? Because there is no other way. If you reject Messiah, that's it. There's nothing to go back to. No more sacrifices. There's no more animal sacrifices. Jesus has come. There's no more atonement through animal sacrifices. So that really puts the weight on the value of fellowshipping. And, and that's the meaning to him. I mean, you figure the Son of God came and gave himself, and, and now you're going to kill a goat or a lamb and, and, and think that that's somehow equal with what he did? I mean, that's, that's the meaning, you and know? That's the only time that Paul ever really got teed off real bad. It, you know, like, the other times he was very responsive. Yeah. He, like, especially in Galatians, I mean, he went. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, even at Peter, like, and you, y'all need to stop, you know? Mm -hmm. Who's bewitched you, you fools? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so now, even in our context, everything that's happening in our world, yes, all of the, you know, just the persecution uh, will work, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's just persecution mm -hmm. and um, misinformation, deception. All of that that's that's happening, and 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 that then that is just it's going to get worse. How vital is it to just to to continue to hear and share the testimony, the the, the gospel message, just being you know reiterated and encouraged in in the hearts of those that are in the faith. Because that stuff can weigh on you, and and if you are in isolation, and watch the news, and watch the news, don't the Lord have mercy. Watch do not watch the watch tunes first. Yeah, I mean you, you get more out of a, a, a Bugs Bunny and Wally Coyote, mm -hmm. and you gonna get more edified with that than, than the news. Because we it. see we see that in our at our house, people come and say, "I heard this prophet say," or you know, the Lord just. We've been able to encourage each other through this whole thing that, I mean, we make this comment, we don't hardly notice that we've been through anything. I mean, we see it on the news. We know people, we know they're suffering, but personally, we haven't felt that 
depression or that fear. And we've been able to just encourage everybody. And we always say that every Monday night when we gather, look, we're all here. God's kept us here. We're happy. We're rejoicing. We're trusting he's doing wonderful things in our midst and the best days are yet to come. And we just keep encouraging each other. And it's, that's a, that's a rarity. We don't take it for granted because we know right. a lot of people don't have that. I had a cardiac rehab call me the other day and said that your appointment's been changed to Wednesday. And when you come in, you need to wear a mask and a shield. And I said, do what? I said, a mask and a shield. Well, it's on the treadmill. I said, why? I said, 80% of the people in this country have already had it. And chances of dying from it are almost zero now. And uh, why are you doing that? And, and then it hit me. Big pharmaceuticals are trying to push more vaccines. So they're trying to make people afraid. I, I, I take me off the list. I'm not going to cardiac rehab anymore. I quit. Can you imagine being on a treadmill with a mask and a shield on? I said, man, no way. I've been doing it for three months without well, any well, mask. You're panting anyway, right? No, nobody in there wears a mask yeah. that's working out. And you you know? know, like staying positive, you know, I'll have where the grocery store I work at where I have my line. I love people, love my customers and stuff. But there would be, you know, some that will come through like when the gas prices were super high. They're still high, but I mean, they've mm -hmm. dropped down, yeah. you know, unbeknownst to our, you know, news media that make it out to be, you know, like, oh, it's never going back down. And I have like months ago, say three or four months ago, very nice folks come through the line, very well meaning. They just go like, oh, I think I'm making oh wow, it's grocery bill, and they'd be real sweet with me. And I'd be like, they'd be like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna get better. I'm like, and I'll try to be really, you know, polite. And I'm like, you know, I have hope. I think it's gonna be good. And I don't mind where I work. It's just I think the culture. I'll be like, God is good. Nobody ever gets offended with it. It doesn't seem to, you know, hurt my job or anything. And then you know, I have an older gentleman or something. I have a lot of retirees and be like, well, honey, I'm glad you have that hope. You know, they're little nice. And then now you see it. You know, okay, prices are starting to drop. You know, so like, you know. but they're only dropping because they're pumping out the reserves, the petroleum reserve. You're right. And once that's gone, it'll go back up. And it'll be gone by the election. After the election, it'll go back up. Well, one day somebody may ask you, what are you so hopeful about? What are you, oh, yeah. What, what keeps you? Yep. You know, I had one of my higher-ups ask me recently. You're always smiling and this and that and, and whatever. And I said, what, what, what's your secret? I said, God is good. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter the price of gas. God will take figure, help you figure out how to get and do what, what you have to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He'll, figure, he'll help you with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good because if he can create manna in the wilderness, mm -hmm. right. he can mm -hmm. keep gas in your car. That's right. But again, if you don't have the promise in your face, right. if you're not feeding on that, and there's words coming out of your mouth, how, yeah. you, it's gripe about the price of gas, and yeah. I can't afford mm -hmm. this. No, well, you won't be able to. Yeah, you're because right. because that's in because that you're dealing with a a fact that's in your face. Yeah. So if you don't have truth to trump that fact, right. that fact will swallow swallow you up. You know that 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 pressure, that all that the trials of life, just like what Jesus was saying in the parable of the sower, that stuff will consume you if you if you allow it to. <clears throat> Again, that's why this fellowshipping is so important. And I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking about the, the season I came through in these last couple of years and just, you know, how valuable this has been for mm -hmm. me personally. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Lord have mercy. How did I do what I was doing? You know, how did mm -hmm. I get through all that? Because, you know, it's just 
personal stuff, family stuff, that, that, that stuff going on. And then, you know, you got people at work freaking out because it, I mean, because the whole pandemic is just affecting everybody mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to, if, if, if the, the connect, if I didn't have a real connection with a body of believers, you all, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm definitely thankful. And I just have, I have a testimony as to how valuable this mm-hmm. is, yes. you know, yes. because when you out there by yourself, you know, you just, it, it and you going through things, mm-hmm. the enemy's voice starts to amplify and, and it'll get to the point where his voice will sound like the voice of reason mm-hmm. instead of the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned Proverbs 18 and 1. I want to read that. Just in, in line with what we'll be talking about, about isolation. Let's see, I'll read that in the Amplified. And in the New Living, Proverbs 18 and 1, and Amplified says, He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. New Living Translation says, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. (laughs) And in the Passion Translation, it says, an unfriendly person isolates himself and seems to care only about his own issues. For his contempt of sound judgment makes him a recluse. (laughs) You know, and see... When you talk about just the how how fear and paranoia can snowball and develop mm-hmm. and get you to a place where you back your own self in a corner, you know, just like in Proverbs where, where the man says there's a line in the street, mm-hmm. and there's no line in the street, but in his own mind, mm-hmm. he you develop a content for for sound judgment. And that's and and see and that's how the enemy can use social media, right? Now social media in and of itself, it's all it is is a tool. It can be a tool for good, tool for evil. Just like television or internet, anything, all all these things that we have, these these, these things are just tools. It's just a matter of how it's being used, what message is being promoted. Have you ever been on social media? <laughs> The most social media I am is email. I've never, I've never been on social media ever, as far as computers go. I bought a gun today, and I had to fill out all the information on the computer. She stuck in front of me. Every time I get to the end, I hit the last key, and it would kick it out. Oh no! Completely disappear. You also. And it would take. It was taking me like five <laughs> minutes. So finally, I said to the girl, "I said, look, I'll give you the information, and you type it in there." No, I could, my fingers, I could, when I touched it, it wouldn't even... He does that to my... If I hand in my phone nothing and the laptop, before he has it two seconds, it's gone. Look, she'll, lay, so, she'll lay it like that, and it do? disappears. He can't hold the phone when we're driving somewhere. We're dri- because... It kicks it off. 
And it kicks me. I'm anti. I'm anti. The dinosaur. I am. I'm anti tech. But anyway, the girl had to type it all. I had to give her the information. She said, "I'm not allowed to do this." I said, "I'm not going to buy this gun if if it kicks me out one more time." She 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 said, "All right, let's do this." Name, date of birth, how much you weigh. You know, we put it all in there, and she she finally got it through. I went home and told Terry. I said, "Look, I was in a store." You think it's, she, she thinks sometimes I'm doing it on purpose. I said, I was in a store and it was a touch touch screen. I, I could touch it with both hands. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it didn't respond to me. That's funny. That's funny. I'm, I'm anti-tech. I told the girl at the store, you mean you don't unplug your computer by pulling the plug? <laughs> and she goes, so that's, also, that's how you did it. Now see, if you were, if, if, <laughs> If somebody else was having that issue, right, and they were living in isolation, and they couldn't have someone help them, mm -hmm. then they couldn't get what they needed, right? But when you were in a fellowship, there's somebody in that group that can help with, you know, I'm just being, you know, silly, but it just little, like little, little things like that, yeah, where you know you just need some practical right, help or something, right. you know, it. It's, it's in your midst. But with that girl helping me, I had favor. She gave me favor. I mean, that's, that's how it all worked out. And I, I thought, I, I always get favor if I'm doing something stupid or something wrong and I ask for help. I always get help. Somebody come rescue me. We got favor yesterday. What? Discounts after discounts. Oh, uh -huh. when you went discount. by Mandy, uh, birthday stuff. And yeah. the fear clerks kept saying, people are so mean. Wouldn't you have thought with what we've been through that people with COVID, people would be nice? They said, people come in here, and we, and we had witness of it. Somebody came up and was very ugly because he didn't want to have to wait his turn. And she said, third person like that today, and it was only about 11.30 in the morning. She said, just been putting up with, and I said, "Well, they don't pay you all enough, whatever they pay you, because you done really well." How many times? How many times did I call you from the job and say, "I think I'm gonna lose my job today," because mm -hmm. I had customers like that, and I would look at them and say, "Shut up, I'm not taking it anymore." <laughs> just don't, don't, don't be running your mouth like that. Be, be civilized, you know. Jimmy, I know even they was having a meeting where I work in retail now or whatever places. They would rather you deal with it because at the end of the day, they just want you spend. They want them to spend that money. Cause they were just telling us, you know, okay, if it's they gonna fuss about, it. he said a case of water, just give it to them. Said take it as a gift, and he said because they gonna come back and buy more. So they're training us to just kind of. It's not worth it. Well, they're gonna come back and steal some more. Yeah, but see, they, even with that, <laughs> they figure out how that works. We got insurance for that. I one time got an argument. So I got an argument. They just saying, hey, look, they just want them to spend their money. I know. Of course, what I you think about the, that is it, it promotes the evildoers. Right. To but just, I'm saying, you as an individual, when you're taking that, yeah. you know, then, like you said, unnecessary stuff, then, you know, sometimes people can't handle it. Everybody can't handle right. that type of confrontation. Know, confrontation. And so, therefore, you know, it was, he was trying to tell us, you know, encourage us to try to respond in a way where, you know, you don't get the person 
upset and you know, all that stuff. He said, just try. He said, if you got to let them have it, let them have it. It's, it's cultures you know, are so different because yeah. in Europe, the customer is never right. And you get used to that. Mm. I mean, that's you don't go in trying to get one over on anybody. You're not going to get a better price. There's no price negotiation. There's every car dealership. The price, the cars are exactly the same no matter where you go. They don't use coupons. They don't use. There's none of that stuff. So it's a completely different. It's so much easier. In the car business, I have people come in sometime and say, "Hi, how can I help you?" You better effing help me, and that's how it would start, and we'll go downhill from there. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's when you would say, "Step outside." We we would we we had a guy come in doing that. He was doing that to me, and he just kept browbeating me and browbeating me and browbeating me. And finally, I looked at him and I said, "I should have you arrested." I said, "You're the foulest mouthed, most miserable person I ever met, and that's battery. What you're doing, you're breaking the law, right?" He got mad, jumped in his car, and left. My boss called me about a half hour later. I said, did you have an altercation with a guy out there in the lot? Yeah, I sure did. He said, what did he do? I said, well, he was calling me all kinds of F words and screaming and yelling and carrying on. <laughs> and I said, who was it anyway? He said, uh, he owns a construction company. and He buys six trucks and three brand new cars every year. <laughs> and I said, does this mean I'm done? He said, no, I'm not letting anybody abuse my employees. I'm oh, going, thank you, God. That's favorite. That's awesome. The phone rings, and it's this guy's secretary. And she, she said, Gene? I said, yeah. She said, you're the one that had the altercation with Mr. Sosa? I said, yeah. She said, he wants to apologize. I said, no, 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 no. I said, he did it in public in front of people, screaming and yelling and cursing me. He needs to apologize in public. And she said, no, I don't think he's going to do that. And then I, I said to her, can he hear you? She goes, no. I said, I bet he browbeats you and demeans you, doesn't he? She goes, mm-hmm. I said, on a regular basis? She said, mm-hmm. I said, well, tell him I don't accept his apology unless he comes in here and does it publicly like he ran his mouth. The man eventually came in and did. Apologized, shook hands, and after that, he was one of my best customers. He'd come in from his keys and say, fix the truck, Gene, because he knew I wasn't going to rob him. He knew I was honest. Fix, fix it, whatever it needs. Don't worry about it. I mean, it was, but it took all that to get him to, because he'd been abusing people in that place for years. Mm. Okay. All right. Since we're going there, let me let me throw um let me throw this out there. See how how do we navigate this? <clears throat> All right. What Gene has described and what Eric's supervisor is trying to convey message. All right. And let's 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 look at that, and then let's go to Proverbs fifteen, verse one. Because this is very practical stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, 99% of the time, we had to deal with it like Eric did, like for the people just, you know. Okay. But there's a point where there's a line in the sand. And when they cross that, I just stop them. Let's see. Amplify says, and I'm reading the passion too, it says, A soft, gentle, and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. But harsh and painful, careless words stir up anger. In the Passion Translation, it says, respond gently when you're confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. <laughs> Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest man? Wow. 
So now just now think looking at that. Now, how do I walk in this while understanding there is a time where an individual needs to be confronted, right? Because they've crossed a, a boundary, mm-hmm. right? Can I do both and walk in this? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus said to be true to serpent is a general dove, so I know it's possible, you know? Yeah, because even you, you look at Gene's response, right? He won't cuss them out. I would I would never say anything demeaning or anything ugly. I would just I would just tell them that I wasn't going to accept what they're doing. Because you stood up for yourself, that's true. Now you got to remember, I did it fifteen years, and this kind of thing only probably happened five times. And and most of the time, people come in and give you a hard time. You just take it, try to give them a soft answer, and eventually it works out. Mm-hmm. But there was there was a couple that was like this, mm-hmm. and I just. Right there, and I couldn't go any further with him. I had to. Try, I had to stop that behavior. But then, then, with this, I gotta say, cause I'm a type of person. I don't say I don't like confrontation, but I avoid it. If I can avoid it, I'm not gonna do it. Okay, you know. And then in some cases, like in Gene's case, I'm a type of person. If I get mad, then I'm going there. I know me. I'm going there, and so, and a lot of stuff won't come out of me that I'm not gonna like, and you ain't gonna like. So I know me. So, and God is teaching me now. I'm just kind of like, okay, you know what? This is not working. It's this the meanest thing, and and so I will even say, okay, you know what? Never mind. But the perception I get when I do that. Is that, oh, well, you need to, you know, we live in a culture now where confrontation is, you know, normal or go off. And we see the reality show where you just go off and people grabbing hair and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And so, you know, and so that's, you know, embraced in society. And I've never been that way. It's like, okay, because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to go back toe to toe with you. You know, just... I don't think it's necessary because, you know, at some point I'm going to say my piece and then I'll walk away. You know, it's like, okay, you know what, this ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, but you get labeled as, well, you're a pushover. If you do that, if you, as, as usually in a soft, general and turn away rap, or you just like, okay, whatever. I want to do it. So you get labeled as, well, well, you need to fight. I'm saying, and I, I heard years ago, I said, I mean, I've learned to you learn how to pick your battles. You know, is this worth fighting? You know, over. But don't you think part of the problem is is that it's corporate America, and the person wants something free. He knows it's not costing you anything, right? And that's why they go after it because it's the big corporation. What if it were your personal loss? Mm-hmm. You, you probably have a different standard. Or reaction if it were costing you every time this person a person wants it depends. something. Depends. I mean, I see what you're saying. It depends on what, like I said, this if and I've dealt with situations where hey, somebody owed me money, and then when they, you're like, okay, whatever, well, I'm not gonna ask you about it. No more. You keep it. 
I'm not going. When you said you was going to do this, yeah. but you didn't do it, and then when I asked you about it, you got an attitude. That's fine. My problem is just when we reward bad behavior. Right. And it just encourages the bad behavior to continue when people know all I have to do is scream or do something and I'll get over on them and I'll get the stuff for right. free. Mm -hmm. That's the way it is in America. And business. I remember because the guy, and see what you talking about, when I worked at uh, another place, and um, the guy, he came, he intentionally did this, came, I tell you, I was working at Lowe's, I was mixing paint. I was, and I mixed, you know, guy told me, do this, da 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 da. And I did it. And I said, so, I didn't ask for that. I said, wait a minute, no, you did. You asked this, this, and that. And he just went off. Oh, you know, that was wrong. I didn't ask for this and that. And I just said this like, okay. And then he went to my manager, told my manager, nah, this and that. I didn't do it right, this and that. And um, guess what? He got it for free. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, so, I just so if it were wrong, wrong, why did he want it? If it was the wrong stuff. Well, he, he, he was, he was, he, he's yeah. the whole, the whole, whole the whole scam was to get it for free. That's my whole right. Point. And I said, um, but I, I know this is speaking of what you're talking about. All that does know. is encourages him to keep acting the jerk and, and making a scene and getting stuff for free. But my, then, my point is that, you know, when you take that approach of being soft answer, mm -hmm. then people think, okay, well, I can do this. With him or her all the time. Well, you can have a soft answer and, then, and still say no. But then when you push back, then they're like, oh, they're surprised because they're like, you know, I thought I could get over. I had a guy come in and started cursing me and carrying on, and he wanted a, like a four or five hundred hour job for free. And he had done this before. So uh, I looked at him and I said, you need to talk to my boss. I'm not talking to you anymore. Because usually they, they get to a certain point and say, I want your boss. Well, I knew when they were going to say that because I had done this long enough. And I said, wait a minute. I'm not talking to you anymore. You got to talk to my boss. I went to my boss's office. And I said, I'm bringing Mr. So-and-so in here. I said, he's an idiot. He's been cursing me out. I said, he's done this before. If you give him a piece of bubble gum, you have my resignation right now, today. I'm leaving. Do you understand? I said, because this, this boss used to give everybody everything. One lady picked her car up, drove home to Hampton, ran out of gas when she got home. She went by five gas stations. She made him tow the car back, get it washed, fill it up with gas, and give her a rental. And he did it for free. And he did it. She ran it out of gas, and he did it. But anyway, I walked in and said, Mr. Smith, this is Mr. So-and-so. I said, and gentlemen, enjoy your day. And I walked out and closed the door, and I wondered, is he going to give this guy anything? And he didn't, because I could hear the guy screaming in the office trying to get that $500 repair for nothing. Nope. But he would have given it to him if I hadn't confronted him and said, stop, no. I mean, if you were a small mom and pop business, you would quickly go out of business having to, he'd have people, the wife would bring the car in oh, and yeah. he would write the ticket and he'd call and leave the estimate and then the husband would come and pick up the car and ask, you know, he'd give him a bill, what? And throw a fitty says, I never, I never agreed to pay this. And he says, no, I already talked it over with your wife. Well, you didn't talk to me. I ain't paying that. And they would go complain and want the thing for free. But it, was, was it, was, it was a scam. I mean, they, it was a scam. They planned it. They, so what I would do then, I'd, I'd, I'd get the signature from the wife. And when I called the house, if the wife wasn't there, if the husband answered, I'd say, I'm sorry, sir. I can't fix your car until I talk to your wife. 
and I write it on the back yeah, of the ticket. Called so and so, wife wasn't answered. You know, husband gave me an okay, but I'm, I wouldn't do it because I they scam me all the time. And you just learn. Right. But you so, don't get angry and yell or anything. You just talk. So in these situations, the best practice is to... Speak the truth in love. Yeah, do the right thing. Okay. <laughs> By the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because the reality is everybody that gets upset isn't trying to run a scam. Sometimes there is a communication, mm -hmm. a miscommunication, and then somebody messed up. But then, of course, as you well know, mm -hmm. you got people that do that stuff on purpose. Well, I was in it for 15 it, years, so you know. It'd be somebody, it, it would make me somebody that'll listen to this podcast and be like, I'm going to Costco and raise a fit. I'm going to raise some cane so I can give you some new water. I'm going to get some more water because, you know, the hurricane coming anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go in there and raise some cane so I can get, give me a case of water. When we, first, when we first started getting hurricanes here, I went to Lowe's one time. And uh, what people were doing is they were buying a generator, taking it home, running it for a week, mm -hmm. and then they take it back. That. And uh, uh, stop that. Really, yeah, right? stop I had a buddy of mine that did that with a pressure washer. He pressure washed his house and took it back. And then they got a, they got they, they put up a sign that said that if there's been gas or oil put in any of our machines, we won't receive it. Yeah, Costco stock. Costco did the same thing. And it's not fair to the customer. You go buy a new v new machine that's got forty hours on it. You know? But I used to go round and round with people. I never cursed them. I never said anything bad to them. I would just tell them the truth. No, sir, it's not going to happen. I'm not going there. You know, that's just the way it was. Even when I offered somebody in the parking lot, I would just say, you know what? You've been running your mouth too much. We need to go outside and settle this like men rather than me being behind this desk. And then most of the time, they'd, they'd be quiet real quick. I guess in each situation, it's asking God's wisdom, you know, exactly. yeah. because yeah. he knows the intentions of each Well, if you've been doing it every day for years and years and years, you know the people that are coming in oh, and scam you. Right. Yeah, you get a sense of the people that are... You have one little lady when you very kindly said to her, ma'am, yeah. you know, do, do you talk like this at I home? I said, you talk like that at home? This is this is really embarrassing me. I said, I, 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 this kind of language. It was being real sweet to her. She burst into tears. Started crying. She had just a terrible day. He was able to talk with her and get her all calmed down, and then she was thanking him. So then the other lady that wrote the all the letters to the bosses of the dealerships said that she, she, she I had to be fired, and the reason I was talking to Terry on the phone, and when this lady was standing in front of my desk, I had to pick up the phone in three rings. That's the rule. Even if you're talking to me, I have to say excuse me, pick it up, right? Mm -hmm. So I saw him talking, and I said, "Okay, honey, I got to go. I got to go." So this woman wrote a letter saying I was rude. I picked up the phone instead of talking to her, and I, I had some slut on the phone I was talking to that I was calling Honey, and she wanted Lee Iacocca, back then it was Chrysler, she wanted Lee Iacocca to fire me. She wrote a letter to my boss, the guy who owned the dealership, and Lee Iacocca. My boss came in to me with a letter, and he said, he said, did you read this letter yet? And I said, yeah, I got a copy of it. He said, what do you think? I said, that's not important. What's important is what you think, because he's the boss, right? He said, I think she's a psycho. He said, I've been, my office has been next to you for years. I've never heard you do anything like that. And I said, no, I never have. He said, it's, it's, it's just, they used to do surveys. One to 3% of the people can never be satisfied. No matter what you do, you can't satisfy them. They're always going, they're always going to be angry. You know? So. Hmm. I see. Never this is a practical yes. example. 
of how, you know, people can come together, right? Yeah. And, you know, look at the word and how to flesh it out. You know, what does that look like in my day-to-day life? And you, you know, you can't you can't do that if you're if all you're doing is getting your word offline. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Now again, the technology is great. We, you know, but that's not the only source. That's a supplement. And do you think people are really themselves online? I mean, most of the time. Or is it putting up an image? Catfish. I'm not online, so I don't know. Catfish, that's me. I heard about catfish. You know what that is? What is that? You know, when you go online and pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, that happens. And, you know, get, you know, person would you you, you like the person. It would be like me saying (laughs) it would be like me saying I'm six foot three with dark hair and dark eyes. Then what you because they was pretending to be somebody online else. social media family. Thank you for joining us. Oh, we'll see you next week.